In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for having given us another day on which to praise your name by speaking holy conversation about your church and the truths to the, which you communicate to us through the wisdom that has been passed down to us through the ages. We ask you to continue to enlighten our lives and keep us always open to your will through those who bring your wisdom to us. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Greetings all. I'm Brother Israel, and this is Theology at the Eucharistic Table podcast. Welcome back. I'm recording this introduction from Tacoma, Washington, where I've been living since the 1st of June. That's right. This monk is currently one of the expositi, which is just a fancy Latin way of saying that I'm not in the monastery. I'm enrolled in a summer program called Clinical Pastoral Education, or CPE for short. It's part of our seminary formation at Mount Angel to be enrolled in a summer-long hospital chaplaincy. I hadn't been out of the monastery for about three years, so this is quite a learning experience on a couple different levels, actually. The hospital work is good. Uh, Just trying to be an open heart, open ear in a place of confusion and pain, physical pain and spiritual pain. Uh, But it's also a place of much joy. Hospitals can be a place of joy. Uh, Just last week on an elevator, I met a young man, uh, early 20s. He had just come from holding his newborn son. I mean, what? yeah. Uh, so, yeah, every morning uh, I leave the rectory with no idea whose life I'm going to walk into. It's a little nerve-wracking, actually. Anyways, I'm stationed at St. Joseph's Medical Center here. And I had a little experience here that ties in really nicely with the subject of today's episode. So I'm going to share that with you. It's good, I promise. A couple weeks ago, I met a fellow, uh, late 70s, who was sharing about his conversion. We'll call him John. John told me that his whole life, he's been reflecting on that moment. The moment he professed his faith in Jesus. He was about 15 at the time. And within the last couple years, he's arrived at formulating his reflection in this way. And I'm going to share that with you. The moment itself... Even at that moment, he recognized as this powerful overflowing of the Holy Spirit inside of him. But how the Holy Spirit came to be inside of him, the way he understood that, I found just beautiful. He said that at that moment, the Father in heaven turned to his son Jesus and said, My son, my beloved, I want you to send the Holy Spirit upon John. Isn't that beautiful? I mean... He understood that Father, Son, Holy Spirit had conspired to bring him life, to bring him to life. And he had this insight through years and years of reflecting on God's work in his life. I, I was just stunned when I heard him say this. And providentially, in the episode we're presenting today, episode 9, Abba Jeremy has us focus in on Pentecost and the place of the Holy Spirit in the Paschal Mystery. If you've been keeping up, 
you know that we've dedicated the last two episodes to the third master theme, the Paschal Mystery. In episode 7, which was the first part, we began to talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus as a single event, which together we refer to as the Paschal Mystery. And in the second part, we continue that discussion, and then Abba Jeremy adds an extra layer with the Ascension, has us understand the Ascension as part of the intense glorification of Jesus that already begins with the resurrection, which of course is only possible because Jesus is the crucified one. So today, for this third and final part, the abbot will begin to explore with us the event of Pentecost, the descent of the Holy Spirit, and how this belongs to the single deed of God, which we refer to, again, as the Paschal Mystery. One final word before I leave you for the episode. Uh, If you get to the end of the episode and think, wait a minute, that was sort of an abrupt ending, you will have thought correctly. The audio will come to an end kind of abruptly. We lost about eight minutes at the end of this recording because our memory card was full. So you'll hear Nelson ask a question, and you'll get the first part of Abba Jeremy's answer, and then cut off. It, it's frustrating, it was frustrating, and there's no way to recreate that moment, that environment, and then the answer. Um, so we apologize, and we thank you for your patience. Uh, if you find the beginnings of Abba Jeremy's answer intriguing, and would like to hear more, let us know. Maybe we'll go back and explore that question again. So without further ado, we bring you Episode 9 on the third master theme, The Paschal Mystery, Part 3. Father Abbott, so we're back. It's hard to know where you know, we said at the beginning. Let's just dive in. It's hard to know where to dive in this time because it's a, it's a big river. One place, um, you know, we, you've, you've given us a lot in terms of, you know, you spent a lot of time telling us, you know, what does it mean when we say Jesus died for my sins? You focused on the resurrection and, and you kind of helped us focus on ascension as an image. What is that image telling us? I was thinking maybe we could just kind of follow that progression and go straight into Pentecost. What... Where does Pentecost fit into this arc that we call the Paschal Mystery? What do we want to say about it as a Paschal Mystery? Yeah. Well, again, I think, you know, according to the method of our course, uh, we want to let uh, the liturgy itself instruct us in that regard. And um, so the, the, the Feast of Pentecost itself is when the Easter season, as it were, is, is said to, to be brought to its completion. Uh, Easter season lasts 50 days, and it includes uh, all these dimensions of the Paschal Mystery. First of all, this period of resurrection appearances that in the liturgical time lasts up until Ascension, and we've talked about that. Uh, but Maybe a good way to do it is realize, you know, like the first tech, the first reading on the Feast of the Ascension uh, is is where the narrative weight of the Liturgy of the Word lies. Usually, it lies in the Gospel text, but in the Ascension, it, uh, it lies in the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles, which describes the Lord's Ascension. The same is true on Pentecost. The narrative weight is in the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles. So we don't feel it quite as, as much uh, uh, 10 days later, you know, uh, Pentecost is 10 days after Ascension. 
But in if you, if you pick up the Acts of the Apostles itself, uh, the scene of the Lord's ascension is followed by a brief scene in the Acts, which involves the replacing of the apostle Judas by the drawing of lots and Matthias. And then right then you go into to ascension. That's the very next thing. Right then you go into Pentecost, and that's the very next thing after it. That's connected. We should connect that with something that we hear in the Ascension reading uh, from opening verses of the Acts. One of the things that Jesus says in instruction to his disciples is, wait here in the city until the power from on high comes upon you, and you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. No sooner does he say that, he's taken from their sight. And then, ten days later, those words are fulfilled. And that's what the, that's what the second, uh, the first reading on Pentecost describes. Uh, the gift, the power from on high coming on the apostles. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit. They're, they're being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the rest of the Acts of the Apostles comes out of Pentecost, and the whole life of the church comes out of Pentecost. You can you just see that in the Acts of the Apostles, and it's 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 only then that the apostles begin to be equipped to be witnesses to the resurrection, which is their task, and which is the only way that. The Lord's death and resurrection is delivered to the world, namely through witnesses. There's no other way for people to contact the death and resurrection of Jesus, which is this event, we've said it already, that saves us and renews the world. But there's no other contact for it except through these witnesses. And these witnesses can't be witnesses except but that the Holy Spirit comes upon them as the promised gift of the Father. And that's the Paschal mystery brought to completion. I, I want to show you from the text itself, uh, in, the, in the preface for Pentecost, uh, the, the part that becomes particular, it, it, it says this, this is why we're thanking God, always and everywhere, but today we're thanking him for Bringing your paschal mystery to completion, you bestowed the Holy Spirit today on those you made your adopted children. Bringing your paschal mystery to completion, you bestowed the Holy Spirit. And you have this beautiful prayer. This is collect at the Vigil Mass. This is how we address God. Almighty, ever-living God, who willed the Paschal mystery to be encompassed as a sign in 50 days. Grant that. You know, so this is the God we're addressing. The God who willed that the Paschal mystery be encompassed. That's a beautiful word. It's like the Paschal mystery is spread out over 50 days. And this 50th day is it. <laughs> and it's it because the Holy Spirit is filling the church henceforth and forever. Uh, and that's, that's not like a glorious finish to my sentence, henceforth and forever. I mean, that's a piece of theology. It's the Spirit comes on that day and is 
always coming. Now, with that, you have the ascension, the gospel that is read at the Pentecost Mass, which is, a, which is like the perfect illustration of my point, that the Paschal Mystery is just this one whole thing. Because the gospel passage uh, is from the Gospel of John, where you have uh, Jesus, the, the disciples are there uh, hiding behind locked doors. They don't know that Jesus is risen. Suddenly Jesus appears in their midst, even though the doors are locked. And his first words to them is, peace be with you. Then what do we read? Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, Then he showed them his hands and his side. Then he said, having breathed on them, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven. Whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. We have the entire Paschal mystery condensed in this one scene. And in John's gospel, this takes place on the very day of resurrection. All of that. What do you have there? You have his wounds being displayed. That's the cross. You have him alive. That's resurrection. You have him breathing on them. Uh, That's the Holy Spirit coming out of what? Out of his crucified and risen body. And it comes out of his crucified and risen body and does what? It sends them as witnesses. As the Father sent me, so I send you. So they are every bit as much capable as Christ himself is capable of bringing the life from the Father into the world. And that first way it will show itself is in the forgiveness of sins, which is the first fruit of the resurrection. It's the whole Paschal mystery in that one scene. And then that's John's scheme. Luke's scheme, which is put out into our liturgical lives and so consequently has affected all of our uh, understanding of this, you know, it takes all these dimensions and spreads them out over 40 days. And that's what we were talking about last time when, when we were talking about the ascension. There's this, there's this period of, of, of time that follows the crisis that they experienced in the death of the Lord in which they are encountering him really risen and in which he's instructing them. But that period comes to an end too, because his, and his own instructions teach that it's better that it come to an end. It's better for you that I depart so that the Spirit can come. So the Spirit is the definitive way in which God the Father's gift is to be delivered to us. This is what the Father has wanted, not just to give us his Son, but to give us the Holy Spirit through his Son, so that the whole of Trinitarian life is what is poured out. For all that is what we're saying when we say it's the completion of the Paschal Mystery, and the prayers marvelously say that. So we're talking about the importance of Pentecost in the whole Paschal mystery. Um, and really, it's so it was so important for 
the disciples going out and preaching and evangelizing um, because it wasn't until the coming of the Holy Spirit that they had that power, that spirit to go out. Um, but recently I was reading this article about the new evangelization and it talks about the importance of resurrection and preaching the resurrection. And so I guess my question would be, when you're, pre- when you're going out preaching, evangelizing, do you emphasize more the resurrection and talk about that? Yes, the Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit is what gives you that power to preach the gospel. But is it more the resurrection that you talk about? Because that's, that's what makes the whole Paschal mystery, the death of Christ on the cross without the resurrection doesn't mean much, but with the resurrection, it has that meaning. But of course, the ascension and Pentecost has some meaning there too. Yeah. Well, in a sense, the answer is you're going to talk about both, and you're not just going to talk about this once. You know, when you're evangelizing, in in a particular one single evangelizing encounter, you'll have a particular strategy. It probably should be to announce his death and resurrection with your own awareness that you're doing that empowered by the Holy Spirit. But the longer you dwell in the mystery of Jesus' death and resurrection, and the more you want to explore that, you will come, as as we do, and as the scriptures take us to do, to, to speak about the Holy Spirit and life in the Spirit and to be aware that our knowledge of Jesus in the resurrection, comes to us through the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, uh, as the Veni Creator Spiritus says so nicely, the Spirit is knowledge of the Father and the Son. So there's no way for us really to, to penetrate the mystery of the Father and the Son, or more precisely, no way for us to penetrate the mystery of how the death and resurrection of Jesus is the revelation of the of the father and the son that's how we don't know the father and the son and also his death and resurrection we know the father and the son through the death and resurrection of jesus and that knowledge is ours through the spirit so that's how we know the father and the son but that's also how we know the spirit as the one who causes us to know the father and the son and that's the Trinitarian uh, perichoresis actually happening to us all, you know. So, yeah, uh, I would say the main evangelizing center is announcing the death and resurrection of Jesus. But to realize resurrection isn't over until we understand that from the risen Lord there is this constant breathing of the Spirit upon the church. You know, when I said henceforth and forever the Spirit is breathed out, what it would say, how? From our ascended Lord, from Him the Spirit comes out. And uh, our ascended Lord is our crucified and risen ascended Lord who sends the Spirit out. And and you see that in the epiclesis of the liturgy. That's the confirmation of what I just said. Every time the church just invokes the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes because Christ is acting in the church's invocation. The Spirit is acting in it.
So in light of this um, movement of the Holy Spirit through the Church and through the sacraments, especially seen in the Epiclesis and the Mass, um, I guess you could kind of say that the in order for us to truly understand the sacraments, which we which are given to us through the Church, we have to understand how they come to us entirely because of the Paschal Mystery and because and through the work of again of the Holy Spirit um, in our lives through the Church, right? Yeah, that's well put because uh, I think it's important for us to understand that the liturgy, well, the liturgy, the Scripture and the sacraments come to us from the Holy Spirit of Jesus that Jesus sends, the Spirit of the Father through Jesus. Now, okay, scriptures existed, the the Old Testament scriptures exist before this moment. The Holy Spirit, though, from a Christian perspective, is the author of those texts. Uh, And now with the coming of the Spirit, it's the Spirit that takes those texts and in the Christian mind enables us to understand all those Old Testament texts as relating to the the center of Jesus' death and resurrection. You see that said. Uh, All the prophets, the law law and the prophets and the Psalms testify that the Messiah had to suffer and so enter into glory. That's that. But that's the Holy Spirit that enables us to really have that knowledge. Uh, And that knowledge produces further scriptures, the New Testament texts, which are spirit-produced because there's, you know, the, this whole church comes out of the spirit coming down. Okay, so the New Testament texts are spirit-produced texts that help us, first of all, to understand how the Old Testament is talking about this. There's a, there's a whole lot of Old Testament in the New Testament, so the New Testament shows us how to read the Old Testament, but it also the New Testament texts are further reflections that the Spirit has given us for understanding the Jesus mystery. That's the Scripture. The Holy Spirit also gives us the sacraments. And here's the importance of what I stressed in our earlier conversation, of, of what I think is one of the unique features of the way our, uh, we're structuring the curriculum here. Remember that we never, the, the, the second master theme is word and sacrament in dynamic relationship. That's not just a, a willful idea on my part. I'm going to put those two together. I'm convinced that the Spirit has put those two together in the liturgy, uh, in, 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 in such a way that the word as, as a text that, uh, as words that are proclaimed in, in the liturgy is not the only means that the Spirit gives us to understand that the Lord is alive and present among us. He also, the Spirit also gives us the sacramental rituals as a kind of encounter that, as we said in that second master theme, intensify the word and cause it to become more and more flesh. Uh, And the Spirit wants those two going together. But 
that whole arrangement of liturgy is produced not after the events of Pentecost. It's, it, it's established inside the Paschal event itself by the Lord, especially in the Eucharist. So that, uh, that, the, that, that the supper, uh, the Last Supper, which is the, the core sacramental rite of the church, is performed by the Lord himself and established by him with technical liturgical language. When he says, do this in memory of me, he's not just saying, don't ever forget me. That's a, that's a, that word memorial, do this, speaking precisely, do this as a memorial of me, is that's, that's have the liturgical memorial in which you will find me present. And so the, so the, in the event itself, uh, the historical event, the Lord, uh, establishes this sacrament and says, do it again and again. When the church has done it again and again, the church has always been faithful to that command. That's the sacrament in which we find that he renders himself present as risen Lord, affecting our salvation in his presence. Uh, it's the risen Lord who gives the command of baptism in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. That just didn't turn up somewhere at some point in his paschal mystery, in, 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 his, in his ministry before the Passion. That command to baptize is solemnly given as the Lord appears to his disciples on the mountain and says, all power in heaven and on earth is given me. Go, therefore, and baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And remember, I am with you always until the end of the ages. All that's sacraments. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what you can do. What I just did there in that too long answer, perhaps. Uh, what I just did there was I took the principle of word and sacrament and dynamic relationship, and then I answered it by you asking me, I answered your question, is this, you know, is the Holy Spirit inspiring the scriptures? And uh, yes, he is, but I didn't answer that without going to sacraments, because then the answer is not complete until you get to the sacraments. Speaking of sacraments, going into the sacrament of confirmation, so can you unpack a little bit why or what is the difference between the sacrament of confirmation and the sacrament of baptism where we're receiving the, we're receiving the Holy Spirit in, in baptism, but then again in confirmation. So did we not receive all of the Holy Spirit? Did we only receive part of the Holy Spirit? So, and this question comes up in, in the ministry settings. We're doing RCIA this year in ministry. And it has come up, so can you talk about that? I can talk about it, but perhaps never in a satisfactory way. No one is ever able to solve that satisfactorily. Because what we have there is a kind of a ritual problem. Uh, if you've had your class on RCIA, you know that the history of the sacraments of initiation held uh, together in a single long ritual moment uh, not wrong ritual moment, but in, in a single ritual act 
the the acts of, of water bath by immersion, followed by hand laying and anointing with prayers invoking the Holy Spirit and moving directly to Eucharist. And all that was the the process of initiating someone into Christ. Now that's a process uh, that that makes sense ritually. And it's uh, the thing that we're going to talk about more in the next master theme, anamnesis and epiclesis. But you guys will remember from class where I said, you know, uh, you can't say or do everything all at once. Uh, and in, in that, in the same way, you can't display the whole mystery with just one symbol. And so the liturgy has anamnesis and it has epiclesis, and in a sense, they're both happening simultaneously, even though in time, first one happens, then the other happens. You remember that talk about that, and we'll come back to it in, in when we get to that master theme. But so Christian initiation uh, involved uh, the 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 ritual of of, of uh, immersion in in the water three times in the name of the Trinity, immediately followed by a sign. So and, and the sign there with immersion three times in the name of the Trinity is is clearly a, a being buried with Christ, a dying with Christ, being buried with him, and rising with him. Uh, what the ritual of anointing immediately after that shows is the coming of the Holy Spirit on the person who has been immersed in the death and resurrection of Christ. And so, the, so it's like the same thing. And there's that abrupt ending I was talking about. Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Theology at the Eucharistic Table podcast. I'm sorry to be leaving this third master theme, the Paschal Mystery. It's been one of my favorites. Or I was especially sorry to be leaving this master theme until I remembered, hey, we get Paschal Mystery every day in the liturgy. Thanks be to God. When we return in a couple of weeks, we will begin our discussion of the fourth master theme. And to also get a little update on how your other co-hosts are doing. And to make sure you never miss an episode, God forbid, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website. Or you can send us an email with any questions, comments, or suggestions that you might have. Well, until next time, God bless you.